You're listening to the High Performance Hoops Podcast, bringing you your one-stop shop on all things training, sports performance, nutrition for athletes, and aspiring coaches to enhance your training and help you crack the code on elite athletic performance with your host, Julian Lacosto. Welcome to episode two of the High Performance Who's podcast, sponsored by Challenger Strength. I am your host, Julian Locasso. Guys, if you haven't, go back to the last episode on episode one. Uh, kind of dives into my story, uh, why I do what I do, who I am, where I come from, the ins and outs of how I got to where I am today. And yeah, just kind of my story. I feel like it's a great listen. Um, for those coaches, young coaches especially, that are kind of in similar scenarios as I was, or just in general enthusiasts of strength and conditioning and skills training that may be in similar situations. So if you haven't, go listen to that episode. I feel like it's a great listen for those that may be in similar situations. And if you are new here, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you may be listening to the show. It is going to be very helpful in terms of being able to get this show seen. So please do so if you haven't already. It's greatly appreciated. Now, getting into today's episode, the five biggest pieces of advice that I can give to new coaches. Now, I find that New coaches are, you know, it's becoming more and more of a thing that they come up and the first thing they ask is, what's the biggest piece of advice that you can give me um, starting out just like you did? And if I could go back, um, knowing what I know right now, these are five things that I definitely believe all new coaches should take into consideration. And also just stick around till the end because I may throw in a a bonus one or two just because a couple of these could venture off into a couple different areas here. But number one, you know, finding a mentor. I think at almost every stop in my journey and in my career, I've had some kind of a mentor. You know, when I was going, if 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 you listen to episode one, you know, I talked about how in my bodybuilding career when I, you know, was first getting into fitness and um, needed someone to learn from in order to get into the gym and learn how to get stronger and and build size for my freshman year of going into basketball in college, you know, I had a mentor, Guy Del Corso, you know, he's very famous in in the bodybuilding space, taught me almost everything he knew in regards to training i still have to this day i have notebooks notebooks filled of workouts and training methods and training routines that he had given me over the years i I trained with him i think for maybe like i want to say freshman year freshman year of college yeah I, i honestly trained with him for like four or five years so i have like i have a good like four or five notebooks filled with workouts that i did for years So, you know, having a mentor is key, you know, whether it was in the bodybuilding space or, you know, when I got into physical therapy and, you know, I was, you know, trying to work my way into that field to potentially get a career in physical therapy, you know, that was another big thing where, you know, I had two mentors, you know, and because I was so passionate, they, you know, taught me almost everything they knew. Like to this day, I still have, you know, all these physical therapy techniques and methods in my head 
that I can't necessarily use because I'm not licensed to use it, but, you know, family and friends are different. Um, but then, yeah, and then even now with strength and conditioning, you know, with Jerry, you know, finding Jerry was probably the best thing that could have ever happened in terms of being able to find somebody who was also around my age, someone in the field that was where I wanted to be and doing what I wanted to do and not only doing what I wanted to do, but doing it well. I think that's really important. You know, find someone in the field that's where you want to be, doing what you want to do, working with who you want to work with, but not only doing all those things, but doing it well. You know, I think that's very important. You know, I feel like a lot of people find like these influencers online, but you know, just because they might look from the surface online like they're doing so well, they may not actually be working with people that you actually think that they're working with. And then on top of that, they may not be doing as well as you think they are. You know, that's a, that's a big, big factor. And when you find these people, you know, understand this. The big thing that I notice with a lot of new coaches is they are not willing to reach out and get all this information without a cost. You know, you have to be willing to pay for their time and knowledge. You have to understand that there is so many unseen hours and and thousands and thousands of dollars that go into putting this education, whether you went the route of college and got an actual degree in exercise science or like me and Jerry who who didn't go that route but just kind of put hours and hours and, and years of trial and error and, and and thousands into our education you know find a mentor and do anything you can to get around them and be willing to pay them for their time and knowledge you know the biggest thing that I notice is coaches will just DM coaches and demand answers and programs and they're kind of looking for cheap answers and means of improving their craft. The biggest thing that you can do as a coach to not set yourself up for success is to not be willing to pay for time and knowledge from people that have been doing this a lot longer than you. I promise if you send a DM or an actual email to a lot of these bigger name coaches, and you start the email respectfully by saying to them that you would rather pay for their time and their knowledge, even if it's for an hour consult. I'm telling you right now, a lot of coaches are going to take that as a, a good test of faith in you as a person and as somebody who respects and wants to grow in their craft. And I can tell you right away that a good majority of coaches probably won't even charge you for the time that they, that they will be giving to you. Some still, they still will because, you know, obviously this is how we make our living. But understand that if you go and you reach out to somebody demanding answers, you're, you're not even going to get a response. I promise you. You won't even get a response nine, nine times out of ten. But now if you go and you say, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to reach out to this person with the intention of giving them something, compensating them for their time and their knowledge because they put in the hours, they put in the years, they put in the money into their own education, I'm going to go and repay them for that for helping me out. That right there just goes to show that you actually care about your craft and you're not just somebody who's looking for a cheap way out. Number two, finding a place to get experience with just programming and or working with athletes or the population that you want to work with. I think right out of school, the best thing you can probably do for yourself is get 
into a place or a facility that is doing what you want to do, working with the people that you want to work with, and just kind of soaking up as much information as you possibly can. You know, the big thing now is, you know, a lot of people go into internship opportunities with the intention of finding paid internships and, you know, just getting something that they could slap on a resume. I don't think that's the best way to go about it if you really care about this craft. You know, the best thing that you can do with yourself is to, you know, go into opportunities knowing that these are places that could potentially give you experience working with different people and learning different things. You know, I personally think young coaches should learn to work with all different demographics just because at some point in your career, you're going to be doing all these things, whether it's younger athletes, older demos, team and group settings. The, the young athlete and team group settings are even more important for people that want to get in strength and conditioning because those are the people that you're going to be working with majority of the time early on. Why? Because, you know, this can teach you a bunch of different things. You know, you can properly learn to progress and regress based on the needs of the training age. Obviously, when it comes to working with younger athletes and older demos, this is really important because younger athletes don't have the physical capacity or the physical tools to do a lot of the more advanced level training methods that older, more experienced, stronger athletes could do. And older demos, it's the opposite. It's kind of like working with like a baby. Like they can't really do anything because they're also physically limited in what that they can handle in training. And, you know, my experience working with general population when I was doing bodybuilding and coaching at 24 hour fitness and also, you know, when I was working in the physical therapy setting, when I was working with people that had, you know, debilitating injuries, whether it be from surgeries or, you know, replacements and also, um, you know, old age, you know, that taught me a lot in terms of being able to progress and regress people based on their needs and what they might be needing in terms of not just from a rehab setting, but just from an athletic perspective as well with younger athletes, these are all things that you can learn. You know, another thing that you can learn from these demos is like how to prop, how to effectively communicate information. You know, you're not going to say, you know, all this, I feel like new coaches more so, especially people that come fresh off a degree in exercise science, you know, their first thing is they word vomit a bunch of all this stuff that they learned in a textbook and it's not to say that they do this purposely, but they just want to come across like they know what they're talking about. And I will say that this was something that I suffered from when I was a, a new trainer. But the thing that you're going to learn is you need to be able to effectively communicate that information in a way that people can take and easily digest. You know, you don't want to word vomit a bunch of, you know, <laughs> biological and, um, scientific terms that pe that little kids are not going to understand. Same thing with older adults or older populations or even just young athletes in general. They don't know what you're talking about. You know, nobody knows what mitochondria is. Nobody knows what ATP is. Nobody knows what, you know, any of that means. So why would you say it in a session? Finding ways to effectively communicate, that's going to be a big thing. And then lastly, can you lead a group of 20 to 40 athletes through a lift and maintain the quality of the lift? You know, in SNC populations, especially if you're a 
young coach that wants to work in the college sector, you know, this is going to be important. You're going to have to be able to dominate a room. You're going to be you're going to have to show that you can effectively run a lift where you have to make sure, especially when it comes to college settings and you have to work with teams that have like a very time constraint based schedule and they have to be done with things by certain times. You have to understand that, you know, if there's a time crunch and you only have like 30 to 40 minutes to get a lift in, you got to you got to be able to effectively communicate and dominate that room. Sorry guys, needed to take a little bit of a water break. Water, very important. <coughs> so, excuse me. Number three, you know, developing a proven system consisting of KPIs and, you know, basically key performance indicators, things that you're going to keep track of to show whether or not progress is being made and or seeing whether or not, you know, the program is successful and kind of guiding your programming. You know, I can tell you from when I first started, even when I was training on my own in a bodybuilding sense, I have notebooks where I recorded every single set, every single rep, and every single weight that I lifted for each set for five straight years. And, you know, that was even before... I do what I do now. Even when I'm doing it now in a strength and conditioning setting, you know, we, you know, we at Challenger, we we record every single every single weight that a kid lifts and, you know, we also record progress every 4 to 6 weeks for every single metric. You know, for us that is, you know, our you know, our system, we we test 10-yard sprints. Obviously, you know, team sports is dominated by acceleration. So, you know, obviously testing speed is a big factor. You know, we use vertical jump and static jump testing to test power output and see where athletes may be lacking in terms of, you know, speed and or strength where where they may lie on that force velocity curve and kind of help us guide our programming using those metrics. Um, We use a upper body testing relative strength test um, with the chin-ups. And, you know, obviously that's giving us our ability to see how strong someone's upper body is in relation to how much they weigh. We're also keeping track of body weight metrics because, again, with these power metrics, you know, it's really important to test to see how much muscle we're putting on or potentially how much fat we're putting on because, you know, put it in perspective for you guys, you know, if we're able to put on like five to 10 pounds of good lean quality muscle in in six to 12 weeks and our power metrics are getting better, chances are that's good weight that's being put on. Vice versa, you know, obviously if the weight is getting put on, but metrics, power metrics are going down, then chances are that's bad weight. And then we have to have a separate conversation with guys about nutrition and what's being done outside the weight room. But again, I digress. Going back to the topic here, (laughs) having a proven system, you know, that's key here. If you don't know what you're talking about, you know, you can't, you can't teach it and vice versa. If you can't teach something like that, you know, it's no longer valuable. So having a proven system where you are testing metrics, where you can see progress is key. And, you know, the big key here with, with this topic specifically is you need to be recording everything. You know, 
like I mentioned to you at Challenger Strength, I think the biggest thing that separates us in terms of what we provide for athletes is we record everything, not just your program and what you're doing in the weight room, but you know, we're tracking weights, we're tracking sets, we're tracking total volume over a period of time. And literally from the minute you start with us till whenever you may be done training with us in your career, you know, we have an entire list of weights that you have lifted, you know, how much total volume you've done over the years with us. And on top of that, we've tracked every single metric from start to finish and tested your progress over that time period to see how successful our programming has been, what we might need to change. And we've also been able to make changes along the way to help continue to see progress as well. So as a coach, it's super valuable. And on top of that, it's a huge marketing tool if you're also starting a business because people want to see that what you're doing is seeing ultimately seeing success and proving to others that you can actually get progress and results with people. So if anything, this is probably one of the most important ones for a lot of people that are in the industry. And honestly, if you're a new coach and you're going to a place this is something that right away could jump off the page to a, to an employer or somebody that you're working for is just being detail-oriented and showing that you're recording everything with the people that you're being put in front of. Show value. Uh, so yeah, record everything and have a proven system. Next, education doesn't stop with a degree or a certification. I feel like this is probably... One of the biggest things that I see a lot of new coaches go through very early on, and that's, you know, you have to always go about your business with a white belt mentality. You know, the minute you think you have truly mastered anything is the day you stop learning to better your craft. So I always say go about your day seeking knowledge because you'll never know where you're going to find it. And at the end of the day, you aren't owed anything since you have a degree or cert, you know, come in and show that, you know, show your employer and show your, you know, your clientele why you deserve to be there and why you deserve the respect that you deserve as a coach. You know, that's not given, you know, so a a piece of paper doesn't show you that or, or give you that respect. You have to come in and earn that and you also have to, you know, show that you want to continue to improve in your craft because this field is constantly evolving. Even if you're a skills trainer, you know, the science behind skill acquisition is growing day in and day out. You need to continue to show that you're going to continue to put towards, you know, your your craft. Whether that's through books, podcasts or networking with other coaches but you know the best thing the best of them all is just getting into the trenches with your athletes and applying the things that you're reading listening to and learning about you know while also coming up with solutions to problems that you're encountering in the trenches you know they talk about skin in the game you have to get skin in the game you know this goes back to Point number two, finding a place to get experience programming and working with people. Whether right now or early on, it's just like when I first started in strength and conditioning, I made an entire workout um, sheet and started programming just for myself. I started training myself like an athlete again. 
and I recorded every single one. And in the beginning, honestly, social media wise, it was just me putting myself out on there before I started getting any athletes of my own. So you could even just guinea pig with yourself, any person you might know athlete wise that might be following you on social media that you might be doing free work for in the beginning till you actually get a clientele, but get experience actually being in the trenches, programming for athletes and working with athletes in general, whether that's yourself, somebody you know, or even if you're working in as an intern somewhere, you know, just going out there and providing, uh, providing that value and learning in the trenches through trial and error, you know, I think Jerry and myself can speak for ourselves, you know, a lot of what we do, you know, is learning and applying what we're learning, but also just making small tweaks based on what we're seeing in training and then just solving problems. That's a big thing right there. And then five, always look to show value wherever and with whomever you're working with. You know, I feel like right out of school, a lot of kids that are coming up in training, they don't understand the value. And one of the best pieces of advice I can give for new coaches starting out is, you know, do the best job with the guys and girls that you have right now and everything else will fall into place. You know, if you stop worrying about working with pros or high level guys and girls and focus on the athletes that you have right now and getting results with those people, I promise you, you're going to get way more out of that by just showing the people in front of you the value that you're going to bring. Because at the end of the day, the kids that you're working with right now, you know, those people are probably your biggest billboards in terms of marketing. You know, because if little if you get little Johnny jumping higher, running faster and and strong as hell, I promise you he's going to want to tell all of his friends when he hits the court or he hits the field and he's or the ice and he's dominating his competition they're going to be like what the hell is little johnny doing outside of outside of the sport and then that's when you're going to come in so understand that you need to dominate where you currently are in your career dominate whoever is you're working with in front of you and show that you care about your work show that you actually want to be there and it's not just a resume builder and you know, just bring value to whoever it is you're working with. Because at the end of the day, that's what's going to be what matters, right? And then I guess this could lead into, I guess, my bonus um, my bonus one for the day. And that's prepare like every day is an interview. You know, you never know who's watching. You know, you could be in your internship and, you know, you could just be going about your day like normal and you never know that like somebody's going to just walk in and see what you're doing and you know you could either be a the coach that is fully attentive you know giving your all to the session showing good energy and you know doing what you have to do or you could be coach B who's on their phone you know not really giving the kid attention you know not really giving much energy or or you know showing a, an, enough attention to detail into the session as possible you could be that guy and you never know who could be watching. Your employer could be watching. You know, you're, you might have a guy up on the higher on the totem pole than you that's been there for a long time that is basically keeping an eye on you that you may not even know or you never know. Like somebody that you respect in the industry could be watching and you, you just don't know what like you don't know. 
And even the athlete themselves, they could go home and be like, hey, I worked with this new coach today and they didn't really give me much attention. They didn't really they didn't really give me their all today and I had an overall bad experience. And guess what? That could lead to that client not wanting to come back. So, you know, preparing like every day as an interview is big because you have to basically dominate your current opportunity. That's essentially what I'm getting at. You know, whether that is, you know, a group of youth athletes that you might not like working with because they're rambunctious and they drive you crazy for an hour, or it's, you know, Michael Jordan himself walks in the door or LeBron James walks in the door, you know, always show value no matter who it is. And then lastly, just, you know, prepare like every day is an interview. You know, the biggest thing that pops to mind when I think of that phrase is, you know, show up early and stay late, be willing to stay late. I think the biggest thing that I could say early on when I was a young coach was even though I was only getting paid for a few hours and, you know, I was only there for like six hours when I first started a week, a week. And, you know, I was only there for six hours, but I wanted to be there more. So any opportunity I had to stay later and to continue to learn or even show up early and get more experience working, like I would purposely make excuses to leave my job at my physical therapy practice early so that way I can get to the facility earlier to be around Jerry and, you know, just be around the kids more and just get more of a hands-on experience of what was being done in the facility. Like that's what I was doing. So if you have any opportunity, if you truly want to be in this field, skills opportunities, you know, if you have an opportunity to work with on-court professionals, like do whatever you have to do to be with those people and get in front of athletes that you want to work with, whether that's showing up early or being willing to, you know, put in the extra hours, even though you might not be getting paid for it. You know, that's a big thing that I could probably say to you is, you know, just be willing to do that. Be willing to be around those people, you know, whether it be, you know, putting in the hours early or even staying later than you normally would, even though you know that you have a long day ahead of you because you're working two jobs like I was, you know, be willing to do those things. So I think that's a great place to wrap it up for this episode. You know, I think I provided a good amount of value to you guys, especially younger coaches, whether it be in strength and conditioning, whether it be in Whatever field, I feel like, honestly, you could get a lot of value out of these five pieces of information. Um, Take it as you will. Do what you will with this information. Um, And obviously, I hope that, you know, this was really helpful. If this was helpful, you know, please, like I said in the beginning, rate, review, subscribe, you know, message me on social media, put this up, share the episode if you feel like this was something that was really helpful for you. Uh, I think that this is, you know, overall a great episode for new coaches that might be trying to break into the field. If you found that this was valuable, share it to somebody that you think uh, might get value out of this as well. And, uh, you know, it was great talking to you guys. Hope to see you guys next time. Peace.